Well, listen, this morning, uh, you know, first of all, welcome to Family Life. We're so glad you're here. Uh, when you came in, everyone should have received a bulletin at the front door. In that bulletin, of course, there's things about our church. Uh, there's sermon notes in there that go along with the screen. There's also a connection card, and anyone in our church can write a prayer request on the connection card and put it in the offering box back there, and we will be praying for you this week. Uh, also, uh, if you're a first-timer or a second-timer, or if you've been coming for a while and you've never filled out that one of those cards, I'll, I'll send you a, a note of thanks for coming, and if you introduce yourself to me, I'll call you, I'll call you by uh, your name next time you come. I try to learn everyone's name. Sometimes I learn them even if you don't put in a card, but it helps me. Uh, because I have limited capacity up here. Amen? Any of you have limited capacity? Of course not. It's just me, right? Well, we're so glad you're here. And our, our prayer is that everyone that comes, every time we have a Bible study, every time we have anything at this church, our prayer is that you just feel encouraged, is that people feel, feel hope, they, they feel like uh, they, can, they can make it, uh, they become energized, and that's our, that's our goal for you is just to share God's Word. Uh, in a way that will challenge us, uh, but also, you know, encourage us to do better and really give us the hope that God loves us, cares for us, has our best interest in mind. So I'm finishing up a series today called Life, Money, Hope, and about, about once a year I always like to, to focus on uh, some type of series on finances or something like that because uh, for our church families because I know that it, it's finances, all the research shows, suggests that finances are a real sore spot for people, that finances uh, can just really be troublesome for people, and that in fact, 80% of Americans in research indicate that they feel like they're stuck in a hole, and they, they feel like they're trapped uh, financially, but they're looking for a way out. So this is kind of a way out series, this is kind of uh, one of those series where I believe we maybe we can start thinking differently and start acting differently and have a different a different outcome. So our text is found in, in Haggai one verse five through seven. Uh, maybe this is maybe the first series that uh, that my text was out of Haggai. Some people didn't know there was a book named Haggai. There was a prophet named Haggai, and this is what the Lord told him. It says, "This is what the Lord Almighty says." Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Any of you have holes in your purses today? Come on now. So a, a guy told me after the first week, That's, that ought to be my life verse. So this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And so, here's the thought of this series. If you, you're going to fix a problem, it always starts with your thinking. If the Bible says, if you're not happy with what you're getting out of life, you need to back up and, and, and go to your thoughts. The, the, the Bible says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, our thinking uh, triggers our behavior or our actions. And so, my, my whole thought is this is if what you have been doing with your finances has not worked up to this point. I'm offering you some different solutions from God's Word, which, which I think's worked. So, I mean, I, had, I have had people argue with me before about, well, I don't know if I believe God's principles are related to money. And I'm like, so you don't do them, right? 
And they said, no. I'm like, well, how is it going? He's like, well, I'm in terrible shape. So all I'm saying is, you know, maybe we need to think about it. And of course, listen, uh, all these principles I've shared, they're, they're not my principles. They're, they're God's principles. The Bible is the blueprint for our life. And the closer we can come to living these principles and obeying them, the better it's going to be for us, parents, all the adults out there. However, the better you do with your relationship with God, the more it propels your children to. So it's not just about us. It's about our, our, our kids and our grandkids and the next generation. Um, Billy Graham said this, if a person will get their attitude toward money right, it will help straighten out almost every other area of life. And then I'm going to quote one very, very smart guy. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but Albert Einstein said this, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. So if you've created some problems for yourself, we have to think differently because how we're thinking got us there. So just a thought. We, we, need, we have to change our thinking. And um, so today I'm finishing up this series on life, money, hope. And I, I believe that this is the best message that I can bring to you today. Uh, I believe by far this is the most important out of all the lessons that we've done so far. And you can listen to all those from our website. I'm not saying it will be the best message you've ever heard. I'm saying it's the best thing I can share with you today. And I think, I think what I'm going to share today, let me put it this way. There's, there's, so, there's hundreds of principles in the Bible. There's macro principles and micro principles. And macro principles, there's a few of them that when you get those right, it spreads to other areas of your life. And so what I'm going to talk to you today about today, it's something that, if we can get this one thing right, it filters into other areas of our life and really helps us become into balance. And it's, it's called the principle of the first. So the principle of the first is found in the very beginning of the Bible, and it goes all the way through to the very end of the Bible. And the idea is this, that when we put God first in our lives, when we put God first in our lives, it helps our whole lives come together. Um, I was... I'm admittedly not the best counselor in the world. I'm just not. But, you know, I'm I, I trying to improve on that. Um, because I'm just very action-oriented, and it's hard for me to sit with people for weeks and weeks who don't want to change. But anyway, but I found this diagram. I drew a diagram. And, and the diagram, just imagine there's a circle, and that's your life. This morning, what would you say is in the center of that circle? Your life is a circle. What is in the very center of that circle? And here's the answer. If God is not in the very center, if God is not first place in your life, then you're going to be in trouble. And nothing you put in there is going to satisfy. Now, if you do the circle, draw some lines out too. I'll have to put this diagram out here one time. I forgot to put it up here. But on the outlines, there's family, there's kids, there's careers, there's hobbies, there's all kind of things. And all those exterior things add value to your life. But if your kids are in the center of your world, it's going to be disappointing. If your husband or wife is in the very center, it's going to be disappointing because God never intended for your husband or your wife or a friend to fulfill you. Only God can. So it's this idea is if we can learn to put God first, everything in our life just comes back into balance. Everything in our life just, just be, 
it, it begins to work out. Now, here's, here's what I want to say. Even if you have God, if you put him first in your life, this doesn't mean that you're never going to have a problem. It doesn't mean you're not going to have difficult times. It doesn't mean that you'll never get laid off from work. That's not what I'm saying. But if God's there, he will sustain you, okay? And, but I, I, I can assure you this. If God is not in the center of your life, it's, life is going to be disappointing. And God never intended us to be disappointed or discouraged in life. Okay, so we're going to read some scriptures this morning. We're going to read a lot of scriptures. And the first couple of scriptures, you're going to be like, okay, Terry, you're losing me right now. But stay with me. This, this message, you have to think a little bit. Okay, but don't worry. I'm a teacher. I'm very simple. If I can understand it, you can understand it. Okay? All right, so Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. And I'm mostly using the New King James Version today. It says this, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate. The word consecrate means to set apart or to set aside. So consecrate, set apart, set aside to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the wound among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is, it is mine. And you notice that mine, it's capitalized, okay? So the it is mine is a very declarative phrase in the Hebrew. And what God is saying, it belongs to me. It is my property, okay? So what God is telling children of Israel, there are some things that don't belong to you. They belong to me, okay? This is very, very important. Now, let's, let's go down to, to verse 12 and 13 of the same chapter. It says, then you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the wound, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord. So again, that's ownership. But every firstborn donkey, now we'll come back and talk about these different animals here in just a minute. But every firstborn donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. So here's, in other words, if you don't give it to God, you're going to lose it anyway. We're, we're going to talk about finance here, we're going to talk about tithing, and the, the deal is, is that if you don't give it to God, you're going to lose it anyway. So you, you, we might as well just be obedient, uh, be happy about it, give that to God, so the rest will be blessed. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So let's talk about this. The, the first principle is this, the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. The first has to be sacrificed or redeemed. And this is just what we read in Exodus 13, I'm summarizing it. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. In this case, we're talking about the firstborn of, of man and of animals. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. So here's the thing. How do you know which to do? How do you know whether to sacrifice something or to redeem something? And again, back in, we're, we're, we're under the old law here, so they had to sacrifice animals. Of course, later in the New Testament, Jesus came, and he became the the all-time, once-for-all sacrifice for all of our sins. Uh, atonement in the New Testament means once and all, forever, done, completely. Uh, atonement, the atonement of animals in the Old Testament, it was a temporary covering until Jesus could come. So, so it's talking about how do you know, how do you know which to do? How do you know if you sacrifice or redeem? So God gave two classifications of animals. Some animals were considered unclean, and some were considered clean. In this passage, the donkey was unclean, 
and the lamb was clean. And so uh, basically what it says is if your clean animal has a firstborn, you sacrifice it because it's a clean animal. And if your unclean animal has a firstborn, it has to be, that unclean animal has to be redeemed or bought back with the sacrifice of a clean animal. So if, 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 uh, if you had, your firstborn lamb was to be sacrificed to the Lord, if you had a firstborn donkey, uh, the donkey was unclean, it was not worthy to be sacrificed, so you redeemed or bought back that donkey by sacrificing a lamb in its place, uh, clean for the unclean. Okay. So the question is, I told you to ask this, your question is, and probably all the teenagers if, are either asking this question or you checked out on me. And I'm telling you teenagers and college students, don't check out on me. This is one of the most important things you need to understand, this principle. So what in the world does this represent for us today? So let, let, let's talk about the way that you and I were born into the world. When you and I were born, were we clean or unclean? We were unclean, right? We were unclean because we were born with a sin nature. We were born with a bent towards sin. Now, some of you may not believe me, so I've, I'm going to ask some experts to help me out. Every parent in this room, did you have to teach your kids how to be bad? No, they just, they're naturally good at it. And, and if you have a couple, one of them is better at it than others. It's just the that got some parents right there. I see grandmother laughing there, right? So, so spiritually speaking, our spiritual condition was that we were born with a sin nature into sin because Adam, because Adam sinned, okay? So now let, let's, let's take it a step further. When Jesus was born into our world, was he clean or unclean? He was clean because he had a different father, didn't he? He, he, he was clean. And so Jesus was born clean, and so the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. So Jesus was clean, and, he would, and we were unclean, so the clean had to be sacrificed so us, the unclean, could be bought back or redeemed. And so, I mean, this is, this is, this is what we're talking about here. This is the spiritual principle behind the message this morning God gave us Jesus, his firstborn, to be sacrificed so that we could be made clean, so that we could be redeemed. And we're going to relate this to money and tithing in just a minute. But it hurts me, it hurts me personally and as a pastor, that people don't understand the message behind tithing. You see, if you go back and think about it, Jesus was God's firstborn. Jesus was God's tithe to humanity. And, and he just, he gave it. He gave it, right? And he did, here's the thing about the tithe. He didn't say, I'm going to hold my son back because these people are all screwed up. And I'm going to wait to see if they want to repent. He didn't. He gave it even when people were mocking Jesus and spitting on him and beating him and nailing uh, him to the cross. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the tithe has to be given. And uh, so God gave us his son while we were unclean, while we were mocking him. And, um, you know, again, so think about this. When it comes to tithing, notice that 
this principle of the first, God didn't say, have ten lambs and then give whichever one you want to me. It's the principle of the first. Are you with me this morning? It's the principle of the first. And it takes faith to give the first because you don't know if you're going to have a second. And, and, and so putting God first is saying that I trust you with my life. And it, it saddens me that so many Christians who are just so boisterously outspoken about God, yet they don't trust Him. Because if you trust Him, you would give Him the first knowing that He will bless the rest. But, it, but that's it. You don't, you, don't get to, you don't get to just, let's see how many lambs we can get. And then, oh, we have 20, we'll give two to God. No, it's the first. It's the first. And so Jesus was the first, so God gave him uh, to, to, to show us this principle. Um, and, and not only this, so the whole thing about the tithe, and here's what God says. Now, the Bible says, that we're not supposed to put the Lord our God to the test. That's sin, to put the Lord our God to the test. But this is the only principle, the principle of the first, of giving God the first. This is the only principle where God says in Malachi that I, I want you to put me first, and I want you when, you, when you give me that first lamb, when you give me the first of your crops, I want you just to give it to me first, it's mine anyway, and I want you to, to see I want you to see, test me, and see if you give me the first, if you have a second, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. See if I won't, see if I won't bless the rest. And so Malachi 3.10, which is an incredible passage, and as a matter of fact, you should read the whole book of Malachi because it's, it's really incredible. Um, it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house. Test me in this. So God tells the prophet Malachi, You're, I, I give you permission to test me. I give you permission. You bring the tithe and you, you test me and see. See, says the Lord Almighty, and I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there is not room enough to store it. And so it says that we're supposed to bring the tithe into the house of God, the local church, and see if I will not bless you. And then it says, I will open the floodgates of heaven, the windows of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that there's not enough room enough for it. So the thought of this is, is if you're not putting God first and you don't have enough, he says start doing it and see if you will not have more than you need. I mean, just trust me, test me, and see about this. And then it, then it says this. It says, and I will prevent the pests from devouring your assets. And. That's like an infomercial. And, call right now, you get two for one. And, so I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven, and, and I'm going to prevent the pest from devouring what you have. And I, I want to say this too, you know, that if, if you don't tithe, if you don't, everyone tithes, it's wherever you give the first, but, it, but if, if you withhold what, what we already learned, what it belongs to God, it's already His. If you withhold it, you're, you're not going to get ahead. You don't get ahead by robbing God of, of what, is, what is already his. And then it says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And so basically, this is an incredible principle from God's word that promises to bless our finances beyond anything that we ever imagined. The promise to have God personally involved in your finance 
but it takes, it, takes, uh, it takes action on your part. So the thing is, the principle of first says that we put God first in everything, okay? And this, and this, this passage, the reference you notice in this passage of the first is, 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 is with possessions. That's the first thing that it talks about. Give me the first and I, the, you know, 10%, then I will bless, I will bless the 90. So we're not done. I'm going to lay out a lot more groundwork, but I want to challenge you this morning. Um, we don't talk a lot about this, but when we do, I hit it really hard. And this next week, there would be a spike in the church budget. This next week, some of you are going to go right out there and hit the, hit the kiosk right out there in the lobby. Okay? And there's some of you, oh, I really need to do this. But you know, God, principles in God's word only work if we consistently obey them. I mean, you can't just do it once. You got to, so I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you. Do this, put God first for a year in your life. Take a snapshot of where you are right now. I mean, write out all your debts, write out what you have, write out what you're struggling with. Take a picture of that. Do it for a year. Do it with a happy heart. I'm putting God first. And see it at the end of the year. See if you're not better off than you are today. I, I know what will happen. I've never met a tither who wanted to stop. Because you bring God. You bring God and he begins uh, to bless your life. So the first principle is this. The first has to be sacrificed or redeemed. Um, ha- have you ever thought about why? About why God invented, invented this principle, the principle of the first, the principle of tithing? Have you ever thought about why God did that? And I like asking people that. And I was asking a group of young people one day, so why do you think that God asked us to tithe? And this young girl said, well, because he needs our money to finance his kingdom. And I mean, you know, that's maybe a better answer than you could have gave. I don't know. But, but think about this. I, so, I, you know, it's not that there's a right or wrong answer, but I'm like, do you really believe that? She kind of looked shocked. I'm like, no, I'm not being mean, but do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God needs our money? I mean, do you really believe that the creator of heaven and earth, do you really believe that the God who can make something appear out of nothing, do you think that he needs our little bit of money. I mean, if, if, you, if you really think about it, our tithe is really insignificant toward God. Now, I know it's not insignificant to you, because, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. If I find 50 bucks on the floor, I'm like, hey, that's significant. You know, I'm going to keep that, you know. Uh, but, but, but think about that. Um, so so why, why, did God, why did God invent, invent tithing? Pastors didn't invent it. The church didn't invent it. Why did God... Why, did, why was God, why did he hit this principle so hard, this principle of the first, this principle about putting him for, why did he hit it so hard? And here's the reason. I believe this. Whenever, whenever you put God first, you learn to trust him. You just learn to trust him. And when something bad happens, I mean, again, I told you last year my house flooded. My house flooded. I've been a tither my whole life. I've given emissions my whole life. Trace and I give a lot to the kingdom, uh, percentage-wise. And, you know, the first thing that hit me was, how could you, how could you let this happen to me, God? I've been tithing. That, that didn't come to my mind. What came to my mind is, we are going to be okay. Because there's nothing the devil can take from us, because it all belongs to God. We've brought that to him, and whatever happens, he is able to make that up. And, and, and he did. He did. 
So of all of, of, all of the principles I, I've tried to instill in my kids, uh, this principle of the first is the most important. And here's the reason why. I mean, you can ask my kids. We talk about this in the, in the home. Even now they're grown, but when they come back, we talk about it, okay? And here's, here's the reason. If my kids will honor God with the tithe, the principle of the first, if they will do that, there's nothing they off limits they will put to God. Think about this. If you will give God your money, you'll trust him in everything. That's the area that we struggle in. And, and I, I just believe that. So, so much so, of course, one of my sons has graduated, but we still have kids in college. And, uh, you know, they're doing good. They're working hard. They're doing everything we ask them, making good grades, you know, working part-time jobs. But I, but I told him this. I'm like, look, we're still connected. You and I are still connected because I'm helping you. We're helping you. Mom and I are helping you best we can. So I told my kids this, look, you have to tithe. You want us to help you with college? You have to tithe. If you come up short, it's not a problem. Mom and I are going to help you. But you have to tithe. You have to trust God because I don't want to be trying to help you and you're under a curse because you haven't been honoring God. And so, anyway, just, just, just and, and, and my kids tithe. They're happy about it. There's no problem with that. But, um, but even that, even that, you know, there, there's two reasons. One is I want their lives to be blessed, and no matter how much I love my kids, I can't bless their lives. I can help them, but I can't bless them. God can bless them. And my kids have re- received scholarships. They've gotten into programs that, they, that were difficult to get into. And I believe it's because God's favor is on their life because they've chosen uh, to put him first. So the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. Say it with me. Say the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. And I'm very excited about that. You very, okay, let's move on now. Enough about sacrificing animals. The second of all is the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. I know this may be heavy duty this morning, but just think about this this morning. Think about it. Think about it. The first, must, the, the first fruits must be offered, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will brim over with new wine. Uh, Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits. Wow, that's specific. The first, the tithe. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So the first of the first fruits, the tithe, the 10%, you shall bring, and it's real specific, into the house of the Lord. Now notice I want you to notice something today that maybe you've never noticed. Notice it never talks about giving the tithe. It says bring. Why would it say bring instead of give? Because it's not yours. We've already read that it's God's. You can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You can bring it or you can keep it. The lights are going off this morning, huh? Okay, no one's throwing anything yet. We're doing good. I had the... the, the Deacons have officially locked the doors. You can't get out anyway, so we might as well just be happy. So think think about this. You bring it because it already belongs to God. It's already set apart wholly to him, so you can bring it or you can keep it, but you can't give it because it was never yours anyway. And then it's very specific. It's very, a lot of, sometimes God gives us a principle, and how we carry it out is not specific. The, the, the first, the, the principle of the first, the tithe, is very specific, and it says it goes to the house of the Lord, which means that we're supposed to find a place 
a local church where we enjoy going, where we get spiritually fed, where we serve, where we trust the leadership, and we're supposed to give it, we're supposed to give it there. So see, a lot of people make a mistake. They think that they're going to designate their tithe. They're going to get 5% here and 2% here and 2% here. Again, it never belonged to you. So you bring it where God asks you to do. Now, listen to this. I, I'm very big, big on giving offerings above the tithe. Trace and I give offerings, mission offerings above the tithe. And your offering after, after the tithe, you can do whatever the heck you want with it. You can give it to a missionary, a hospital, a university, a, a school. You can, you can give an offering to one of your loved ones who doesn't have enough to pay their, their, their light bill or someone. Do whatever you want with it. But the tithe is, de is designated because it belongs to the God. To God. Now, let me give you some illustrations of this. Okay, when the children of Israel, they're about to go into the promised land. And everyone probably knows this. What is the first city they conquer? Please, someone say it. Jericho, thank you, Hugh. That's why he's an elder right there, because he answers me. And it's the correct answer. They're going in the promised land, and, and God says, I'm going to give you this whole land is yours. The whole land is yours. You're going to get houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, which means it has abundance for you. I'm going to give it all to you. But what did God tell them? When you conquer Jericho, all of the silver and all of the gold from Jericho go to my house. You can keep the rest. You say, well, why, why didn't it say to give a tithe of silver and gold? Because Jericho was the first. They took the first and gave it all to the house of the Lord. Then they got to keep all the plunder from everywhere else, but the tithe was holy. It belonged to the Lord, and he asked them to bring it back. Let me give you another. This is another good one. In Genesis chapter 4, there's a story of Adam and Eve's Two of their sons, Cain and Abel. And many people are very, are very trying to figure this out. Cain, Cain was, a, was a, um, a farmer. Abel was a rancher. And it says that they, they both brought an offering to the Lord. The, the Lord received Abel's offering, but didn't receive Cain's offering. And there's some confusion on this. Let me read it in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. And it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected or, quote, received Abel's and his offering, but he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. But here's the difference. Cain's offering, it says this, in the process of time, as things went by, Cain brought an offering to God. Whatever he felt like giving, whenever he wanted to feel like it. And it says, what is, what is it say with Abel? Abel brought the first fruit. The first. He gave the first to God, and, 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 it, and it, it was accepted. Now, let, let's go a little bit further with this. We're going to go a little bit deeper on this passage today. Do any of you like to go a little bit deeper on the Bible passages? We're, we're going to do that here. Let, let's look at this. Now, the, um, this, this story took place 2,500 years before the law. If, you, if you're familiar with the Bible, uh, the children of Israel are, are delivered from slavery in Egypt. They come to Mount Sinai, and, and God gives Moses uh, the law, how they're supposed to live, a religious law, a civil law, a moral law, the Ten Commandments, and 
And so this happened 2,500 years before the law was given. And I understand today, I understand that we don't have to live under the law because Jesus came and we're under a new covenant. I understand that. But sometimes people tell me, you know, tithing, it's, it's whatever, it's not right. The principle of the first is not right because it was under the law. Listen, the principle of the first precedes the law by 2,500 years, and it goes all the way to the end of the Bible. So just because it's mentioned in the law, and we don't live by the law, it doesn't violate the principle. Let me, the law also says that we're not supposed to commit adultery. But any serious Christian would say that that still applies to our life today. The law tells us not to steal. But we all know that it's not right to steal. If you don't think that stealing is wrong, there's nothing wrong with stealing, uh, go right now and put your car keys out there, uh, out there on the, on the life center out there. I have some criminals out there that, you know, they don't mind taking your car. You, don't, you know, stealing isn't bad, right? Uh, honoring your parents. That's under the law. But we all know we're supposed to honor our mother and our father so that it will go well with us. It, again, it precedes and it postdates uh, the law. So putting God first in your life, this principle, uh, we should still live by today, even though it's stated in the law. It was also stated uh, before the law. Now, let's go a little bit deeper on this passage, theologically. It was not that God didn't accept Cain's offering. It was that he couldn't. He couldn't accept the offering. Now, you may be new to church. You may be a Christian, and you said, Some of you may be sitting here saying right now, I thought God can do everything. God can do everything that is inside of his nature. But God will not break his nature. Okay, so let's let's talk about some things that God can't do. This is a little, maybe, maybe, maybe get a little bit humorous, but God cannot lie. He cannot lie because God is truth. Therefore, because God is a spirit of truth, his character will not allow him to lie. He's, he's not capable of lying. Another thing is that God can't change. God never changes. The theological word for this is the immutability of God. And uh, the reason that God can't change is because if God could change, it would mean that he wasn't already perfect. God can't make himself better. He's already perfect, okay? So God, God can't change. Another thing, God can't think the way that you and I think. The, le- the theological term is omniscient. Omni means all. And the om- omniscient is made up of omni and science. Omni means all. Science means knowledge. So God is, he is all knowledge. He knows everything at the same time. And uh, so think about it. When you and I think, we're trying to figure something out. Right? We're like, we're trying, let me think, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, God, he isn't trying to figure anything out. And let me put it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. I mean, God's, have you ever been sitting there and you're like, why didn't I think of that? God's never experienced, why didn't I think of that, you know? He, it, he, because he knows everything at the same time. So let me tell you something else that God could not do that relates to Cain and Abel. God cannot be second. God cannot be second. Therefore, therefore, he 
could not accept Cain's offering. I mean, you know, Cain didn't understand this principle apparently. And as time goes by, you know, he just brings kind of some leftovers to God. And, but Abel brought the first. And, and so God cannot be second. And even if you change his order, he's still first in the universe. You can't change God's order. The, so the problem is sometimes we get things out of order and we think we're going to do something the way that we want to do it, but God refuses to be second. He, he just, he, 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 cannot, he cannot be second. So, so Cain's offering was not first and, and it, it couldn't be accepted. So the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. The first fruits must be offered and the tithe must be first. So again, the tithe belongs to God and he is first. So the tithe has to be given first. Leviticus 27 and verse 30, uh, it, it says this, Then all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. Again, that's ownership, that's declarative. It is holy to the Lord. And you may say, but Terry, it all belongs to God. And technically that is true, but he's not asking for you to give it all. He's just asking for the tenth. He's asking for the first, for the first part, you know. Someone said, well, Terry, why, why is tithing 10%? Why didn't, why didn't, you know, why didn't they, God make it 15%? I, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, I don't know that tithe means a tenth. It's just what God did. And he said, I just want the tenth that already belongs to me. I want you to honor me by bringing it back to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless the 90. So let me, give you, let me give you an illustration. Let's say you own a landscaping company. You own a landscaping company, and you come to work for me, and you, you give me a bid. You say, hey, Terry, um, the supplies are going to be $750. The labor to do the job is going to be $500. And, you know, my profit is going to be $1,000. So, you know, I pay you, I pay you, you do the work, and I pay you at the end. And, you know, and so you, you're, you're left, you're left with 10 $100 bills, you know. So, let me ask, what, what is the tithe? We know percentages here. The tithe would be what? $100. Which $100 bill is it? The first, right? So the first is, it's the first you spend. It's the first that's allocated, okay? So if you go home and say, man, I got mortgage coming up. I'll put some over here on the mortgage. And I, we got some for food over here. And we got our kids need this over here. And then what typically happens, then we get down to the end and we're like, Oh, there's not enough left for God. But if you give him the first, there's always enough, right? And, and then, then you're just believing. So the difference is the mortgage company can't bless your finances or bless your life, but God can, okay? It was funny. I was talking with a couple. I'm going to tell you something funny right now because you're looking a little tense, okay? Help you out. So a couple, a couple I was talking to a couple, and they, they were telling me, and they said, look, we just, the husband said, I'm real good with numbers. I just know numbers. He's like, my wife doesn't understand numbers at all. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, the other day we went to the store, and we bought something, and it was $7.99, and the, and the clerk, the cash register wasn't working. So she's like, oh, I need to do the calculator to do the taxes. And the husband said, it's $0.66. Cents. And she looked at him and said, okay. And she did it on her calculator. She said, it's $0.66. Cents. And so they walked out of the car, and the, the wife asked the husband, how did you do that? Well, he's a husband, so he thought she really wanted to know. 
you say, well, you know, seven nine nine is almost eight. Our sales tax is eight eight point two five. Eight times eight is sixty four. A quarter, you round that up, that's two sixty six cents. And she's like, well, I don't know about all that, but I know what twenty five percent off means. <laughs> and he says, so if you if something is is $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean to you? And she said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> and she says, if it's 50% off, it's free. He said, this is why we have problems with our checkbook. She's like, what do you mean? It's like 50% off, buy one, what? Get one free. She said, if you, make 70, if you get 75% off, you're actually making money. So he said, pastor, can you help me? I said, not at all. Not at all. Go, go to someone else's office. So well, what happens is, if we're not careful, if, see, many of you have never heard this before. You, you didn't, you've heard about tithing, but you never understood the principle of the first. And what happens is, if we don't know this principle, and we're trying to make things work, we may not mean to, but we end up being like Cain instead of Abel. We, 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 end up, we end up bringing God an offering, whatever's left, in the course of time. Instead of being able, it says, man, I'm the first here. Now, let me, let me put it this way. When, when I'm talking about the first, I'm talking about your heart. Is God first in your heart? Okay, because think about this. So my, my tithe, I just do bill pay. So it goes directly. I never know. I mean, I set it up. So when my check hits direct deposit into my account, it just goes, right? Now, if, let, let's say this. Let's say that before my tithe check can reach the church, Tracy goes to the grocery store. I mean, do I call her up and say, Tracy, you spent $57 at the grocery store before our tithe hit. We're cur- you've cursed our family. No, it's, it, it's in your heart, right? It's in your heart. That is set up. That's ready to go. See, that's a lot different. That's a lot different than saying we're going to pay everything and just see what's left. And then we'll decide, uh, you know, what we can do. And so it's very, it, it, it's very, very important. I'm not, I'm not talking about, about uh, le- being, being legalistic. But I'm talking about because, you know, so, so many people, you know, it, it's, they, don't, they don't consider, you know, Maybe they give when they come and they tithe, but maybe they miss three weeks and they never make it. It's the tithe. It's the whole tithe. It's the whole thing in your heart, making sure that God is put first. And of course, tithing, it breaks the curse off of, off of our finances and it releases the power of God in our financial situations because God now is, is involved. Let's read one more scripture, then we'll close. Uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 14 through 15. 13 through 14. Yeah, it's 14 through 15. I'm sorry. It says, think about this. So it shall be when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, what is this? You're talking about their sacrificial system. That you shall say to him, by the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn by, about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. 
Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the wound, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And so here's, here's the thing. Think about this story. God says, one day you're going to get into the land where you're going, and as time goes by, you now have house, houses and land and vineyards. And so think about this. There's a family. They came from, from, from slavery. And as generations go by, now they're in a home. They have fields. And, and as the kids grow up, maybe one day the son comes and says, Dad, I need to talk to you for a minute. Like I noticed that every time our lamb has a first lamb, like you sacrifice it. And I, I don't know if you understand this, Dad, but... You've done that 73 times. Like, that's really cutting into profits. I mean, we're in the ranching business. We're in the animal business. And we could have had 73 more lambs that were able to produce lambs. And, you know, what's going on? And the dad tells him, look, so let me tell you something. Something you don't know about our family. Your granddad, our grandparents, they were slaves in Egypt. We had nothing. But God delivered us. But God. Some of you this morning, you need, that, you need those two words. But God. Your situation is bad. But God stepped in. But God delivered me. But God got me better jobs. But God caused my car to run for a long time. But God kept my kids from getting sick. Some of you are doing it on your own and you don't have the but God factor in your life. And he said, but God delivered us. He delivered us from slavery in Egypt, and he annihilated the Egyptians, and he brought us out and gave us houses and vineyards and fields we didn't have to pay for. And so every time I do this, I'm remembering where my blessings come from. I remember where my blessings come from. And I'll never forget this. Uh, I believe it was my oldest son, Terry. I used to, when we started the church, I used to have... a. a an office in a home. You know, you know, this again, this is 18 years ago, so before online giving and all that. So I remember I used to write the tide check and put it right there. And so Terry's like, you know, he's like five years old, six years old, whatever. And he came up and and uh, he sat on my he was sitting on my lap in my desk and he's you know he saw the tide check, which honestly way back then it wasn't very much. But to a five-year-old kid, that's a lot of toys right there. I mean, that's Chuck E. Cheese several times right there, you know. And he's like, whoa, Dad, why do you give so much to the church? And I said, that's a, I remember this passage. That's, that's a great, that's a great question, son. Let me tell you something. You don't know this now, but when your mom and I married, we were 20 years old and we had absolutely nothing. We had absolutely nothing. There were some weeks we didn't know where we were going to eat the next week. But God, but God who is rich in mercy, but God came through and he delivered us and he allowed us to be successful. He allowed us to have houses we never thought we'd have and cars we'd never afford. He allowed us, but God, listen church, you got to put God first so that there can be a but God in your finances. Would you stand with me today? Oh, would you bow your heads? Let's just ask God to help us this morning. Oh, thank you, Lord.